0: Okay, we're going through the Old Testament. We're up to 2 Samuel chapter 16 is where we stopped last time, about the middle of that. So we're going to pick it up there in 2 Samuel 16. Okay, when we stopped last time, King David had fled from Jerusalem because his son Absalom had declared himself king. It was a very wicked thing that Absalom had done by setting up this rebellion against his father. And David knew that meant that uh, Absalom would be coming to Jerusalem to take over the city and to overthrow David. So David, out of concern for all of the people that were with him, uh, he's busy trying to protect his family and his people, so he's trying to get them out of there into a safe place. He was doing a very good thing, and it showed you know, that he has a good heart. So the Lord's shown us a bunch as we watch David and how he reacts to things and what's going on in his life. But this is one of those times... When a godly man is trying to do things the right way, but an ungodly man decides to go after him and to take him down. So what do you do in a situation like that? Well, we're going to see with David, you just keep walking with the Lord, and you just keep doing what is the right thing to do. And David gives us a really good example of that. So let's jump back into the story. We're in 2 Samuel 16, and come on down to verse 15. It says, meanwhile, Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, those were the people following Absalom, they came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel was with him. So Absalom, he marches into the city now of Jerusalem, and his dream of taking over the kingdom seems to be coming true for him, even though it was a rebellious takeover. And as soon as he gets there, he's going to gather all the leaders together in order to make plans to go after David. And we notice here, the Lord just kind of subtly mentions that Ahithophel was with him. So he comes back in the picture. If you remember, he was a very wise counselor in Israel under David's rule. So he was a friend of David's, you know, and uh, the Lord had blessed this guy with wisdom. He had been very helpful in the past to David. And uh, now he has switched his allegiance. He's moved with Absalom now. He's gone with, with his side. We know from this guy also he was the grandfather of Bathsheba. And he was still very bitter because of what David did to her. And that was some 10 years earlier than this event here. So all this time for 10 years, this bitterness has been brewing in this guy's heart. And he wasn't alone in his bitterness either. Because Absalom was also bitter. And remember, his reason was because David never did anything to punish the son Amnon after he had raped Absalom's sister. So we, told, we talked about this a little last time. You've got both Absalom and Ahithophel, they're bitter men against David. And now their common bitterness was going to make them partners in going after David. So the big problem with them doing this, other than it's an evil thing to do, was that they were going against the Lord because the Lord was on David's side. Uh, This is a strong warning to us, that if we're holding on to bitterness in our life and we're not willing to get past it, then don't be surprised when the day comes and the devil uses it to get us in huge trouble with the Lord. Both Absalom and Ahithophel are going to pay a huge price for their bitterness against David. So let's go into verse uh, 16 here. It says, And so it was, when Hushai, the archite, David's friend came to Absalom, that Hushai said to Absalom, long live the king, long live the king. So this Hushai, you remember, he's an older man. He came to David when David was on the run in Jerusalem and he wanted to hang in there with David. But David said, you know, uh, you're, you're up in your years and you have a hard time traveling, you would really slow us down some, so if you, it'd be better if you would just stay behind And I want you to get into the courtroom of of, uh, Absalom here so you can gather some intel and you'd be much more helpful if you stay here and do that and then get the information back to me. If you really want to help and be part of this, that would be the best thing you could do. So Hushai agrees to that. So now he he shows up here with Absalom and he comes in there and he's he's saying this, you know, long live the king. Uh, Our guess is though, that when Hushai was saying this to Absalom, that's who he's kind of looking at when he comes in, he's probably meaning long live King David, (laughs) because he doesn't say the name here, if you notice. He doesn't say long live King Absalom. He just says long live the king. And if you listen close, you might heard him whisper David underneath his voice, you know. So this guy's pretty clever, and we're going to find out too, he's pretty quick on his feet as well, because he's going to have to be here in a little bit. So verse 17, so Absalom, he sees what's going on. He says to Hushai, is this your loyalty to your friend? He's saying, is this you being loyal to David, that you're coming in here saying, long live the king to me and acting like you want to join my group here? He says, why did you not go with your friend? So he knows the relationship he's had with David, Absalom's dad, and he's kind of suspicious about what's going on here, so he's questioning him. And he's basically saying, why are you here instead of being with King David? Because I know he's your friend, okay? So right off the bat, he's going to have to be quick on his feet here. Verse 18, Hushai said to Absalom, no, but whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel choose, his I will be, and with him I will remain. So he makes it sound like he's coming over to Absalom's side, but again, He's probably referring to David here when he makes these statements because he knows the Lord has chosen David. All right? There's nowhere we see in the text of Scripture here where the Lord ever said he was choosing Absalom to reign. But we have a very clear place where the Lord chose David through the prophet Samuel, remember? And Hushai knows that. So, although the people are hearing Absalom here, you know, when he's, he's saying, I'm going to go with whom the Lord and these people and all Israel is chosen, that's the guy I'm going to remain with. He might be saying Absalom outside, but in his heart, he's saying David, because he knows that. And isn't this clever? This guy is saying the truth. But it's coming across to Absalom like, oh, he's praising me. He's on my side and all this stuff, you know. Very, very clever guy in how he's doing this. So David was was getting that wisdom from the Lord to be able to say, you need to stay and help us right there in the courtroom of the king. So verse 19, furthermore, whom should I serve? He's saying, think this one through with me. Should I not serve in the presence of his son? So he's saying, if I'm a friend of David and I served him, God used him, and you know what would be wrong with me serving his son if I care so much about him? He said, as I served in your father's presence, <clears throat> excuse me, if I, as I served in your father's presence, so will I be in your presence. <clears throat> so he makes it sound very reasonable, you know, that if he worked for David, then why wouldn't he work for his son? So this guy's a a pretty smooth talker, isn't he? (laughs) You're going to have a hard time putting this guy in the corner (laughs) and getting him to drip over his words, I think. The Lord has blessed this guy with wisdom. He's pretty sharp. So verse 20. Then Absalom said to Ahithophel. Try saying that a few times, right? Give advice as to what we should do. So Absalom looks at his his counselor he has the one who is bitter against David and he knows this guy's got great wisdom so he says well tell me now now that we're here now that we have arrived what should we do and this tells us something about Absalom he's a rebellious guy I mean that's his character he knows how to get a rebellion organized but after he gets there he doesn't have a clue what to do next because that's not his thing, you know. uh, He's not been called to rule. I doubt because of his anger against his dad, he's paid much attention to how dad has been running things. So here he's a guy that's very new to this office and doesn't know at all what's going on. So he's asking his wise counselor, which isn't a bad move, to say, where do we go from here, (laughs) you know. So he's seeking guidance, and it comes across to him says he's basically begging for help. So he has a wise counselor to turn to an Ahithophel, which is a blessing. But he doesn't recognize here that Ahithophel has his own agenda. He's not really into promoting Absalom. He's just into wanting to kill David. Okay, that's where his heart is at. So you go on in verse uh, 21 there. It says, then Absalom has, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 21. And Ahithophel said to Absalom, Go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house. And you remember when David did that. We said that before, you know, it sounded like David probably figured he wasn't going to be gone too long. So he left them there to take charge of the house and watch over things. And and he goes on to say, You take those concubines whom he left to keep the house, and all Israel will hear that you are abhorred by your father. Then the hands of all who are with you will be strong. Well, let's think about this a minute because the Hithophel, he's a pretty sharp counselor. I mean, he gives advice here that he knows is going to create such a deep wound between David and Absalom that it will never heal. And it's a very clear message that this is the new guy in town. And he has taken over and he's the boss because he can even rule over David's concubines, okay? So it's gonna cause a division that will permanently separate them and uh, it's gonna burn all bridges so there's no going back on this once this is done. So his idea is, as he explains it here to him, to Absalom, that if all the people see this, then they're gonna know that David is never gonna return and make amends with Absalom, okay? Because if that happened, you think about it, if David comes back and they, they decide to just make peace and they're going to rule and, uh, and go on with this together, then all the people who sided with Absalom at the beginning here, they're going to be labeled as traitors and they're going to be executed. But he knows, uh, Ahithophel knows, by this action that he's given to Absalom, the people are going to be relieved because they're going to say, man... <laughs> David's not coming back after this. You know they're not going to make peace. I don't have to fear that if David comes back, I'm going to be called a traitor and my life is going to be on the line. So his argument is that when they when you do this, now the people have to make a choice, and it's going to be for you because you're showing your power through pulling this stunt here. Okay, so he's telling everybody, uh, telling Absalom that everybody's going to be on your side and they're going to support you. That's why he says here that the hands of all who are with you will be strong because you'll have full support of these people. And it's because they're not going to be afraid of David returning and punishing them for, uh, for following Absalom. So this should greatly increase Absalom's support for the people. Now for this guy who sees, so, he sees himself as so wonderful, he's probably going, well, I like that idea. Yeah, have everybody follow me. That sounds good. But let's look for a minute what Ahithophel was advocating here because of his own bitterness against David, who committed adultery with his granddaughter, Bathsheba, he's advising uh, Absalom here to publicly rape 10 women. Has he not thought this through? Because as somebody said, all these women have grandfathers too. You know, why would you do this in such a a harsh way? So now he is counseling someone to do something that's 10 times more wicked than what happened to him. Now keep this in the back of your mind as we look at all this stuff. This is bitterness that's driving him. This guy was a wise, wise counselor. And now bitterness is driving him to do these wicked things and give out this wicked advice. So this shows the danger of holding on to bitterness. Bitterness. Bitterness has blinded him to true justice, and it has made him into an evil person. Wow, that's pretty powerful stuff. It's been said that you think you can control bitterness, but it will control you. And it will wait for a chance to express itself one day. And that's what we're seeing here. You know, you just wonder how many people are living with regrets because they allowed bitterness to ruin their lives. How many people are sitting in prison today because their bitterness was waiting for a chance to play out? And when it did, they got in such serious trouble, so serious that they're gonna be paying for it for a long time behind bars. So by this evil counsel that he gives to Absalom here, he destroys his own reputation and he lowers himself way below David's immoral act because the thing he has hated he has now become and even worse and it's all because of bitterness that he would not let go of and he wouldn't let God heal that in his life so Hithophel becomes an ugly picture for us of bitterness and vengeance because he's trying to get back at David and seeing him go way overboard and giving evil counsel is a very good reason why we should leave vengeance to the Lord. You know, you think about this. When the Lord delivers vengeance when it's due, he does it very measured and very perfect. The punishment perfectly matches the crime. When the Lord tells us, and you know, he doesn't give us as a suggestion that, hey, maybe you guys should leave vengeance to me. (laughs) He commands us, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Okay, that's something that belongs to the Lord, and we're not to tamper with that. Also, you know, the Lord warns us to beware of the root of bitterness in the New Testament. And think about this, you know, a root grows, but it's growing underground, and it can't be seen, it's hidden. But it can defile so many people, the Lord tells us. So by the end of this whole story, we're going to see a huge number of people who were adversely affected because of Bitterness. Their lives were ruined and some their lives were ended because of the bitterness of these guys. Verse 22 goes on. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the top of the house. We're going to make this as public as possible. And Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. You know, somebody said the tent that they pitched in the sight of all Israel there was probably a wedding tent. A thing that's supposed to be deemed as such a beautiful thing. But they did this so nobody would have to guess what was going on up there between Absalom and all these these concubines that David had. And we mentioned last time too, David never should have had those in the first place. That's that was a sin that he had gotten into. And now this is being used by the devil to to create more more chaos here. And by them putting this tent on the rooftop, that was so brash. It was like putting a huge billboard out there announcing that this is taking place. Wow, wicked. So verse 23. Now the advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was as if one had inquired at the oracle of God. This guy was known. He had such a reputation that people said, if you really want to hear from the Lord, just go to this guy because he will give you God's wisdom on it, okay? That's his reputation, that's what he was known. It says, so all the advice of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom, everybody saw his advice as being on the same level as hearing from God. So this guy had such a a blessing in his life, you know, to be such a wise counselor, but bitterness destroyed all of that. I mean, what a sad shame, you know, it's coming for this man. As we start chapter 17, verse 1, it says, Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, he's got more advice now, let me choose 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue David. And look when he wants to do it tonight. Okay? <laughs> so you notice in these statements that Ahithophel is going to make here uh, keep an eye on all the me's and the eyes, and I will, me, let me do this, and all this. Yeah. <laughs> He's saying at this point, you know, let me. It's all about me. I want to do this, and he's unconsciously letting his agenda be seen. He wants to kill David himself. He wants David to know this is payback, buddy, for what you did in my life and my granddaughter. I want to, I want you to see my face when I take your life. This is this is the bitterness. This is the level it's risen to in this guy. But you have to notice something here. Notice how he respects David's powerful soldiers. He wants to take 12,000 men to go after David. David's got 600 soldiers, okay? So this guy knows these guys are really tough. I don't want to take any chances, so I'm taking 12,000 guys to make sure we can deal with those 600 really tough, mean guys that work for David, okay? So he was going to severely outnumber David's men. That's his plan. And he says this because he knows how brave and fierce David's soldiers can be. They are very skilled uh, warriors. So by saying this, he's actually showing the respect he has for, for David's men. Now I go on to verse 2. He says, here's his plan now. I will come upon him while he is weary and weak. That's why he wants to come right away. He knows David's on the run. And he says, I'm going to make him afraid. The idea, I'm going to make him shake with fear here. And when that happens, when everybody sees how scared he is, look what he says. And all the people who are with him will flee, and I will strike only the king. Okay, so here's his plan. You can tell he's thought this through. He does have an idea. If I show up with this many guys, I get everybody on the run, shake them up some. I know David's going to be scared, and he's going to know the end is here. So that's what he's hoping for. But did you catch the word he said at the end of verse 2? He said, then I will strike only the king. He didn't say David. In his heart, he knows who the real king is. It's David. So notice that. This guy's going against his own conscience. Things he knows that are of the Lord. He's willing to go against that to satisfy his bitterness and his hatred. Wow. But his plan he's got here, it would actually have been a very effective plan. He knows that David's a bit off guard at that moment. And with him having to flee and be on the run, probably both David and his men are gonna be tired and a little weaker than normal. So it would be a dangerous time for David and his men if they were attacked right then. So verse three, then I will bring back all the people to you when all return, except the man whom you seek, David, all the people will be at peace. So look what he's promising. I'll, I'll bring peace to your land. This situation will be over in one night. I will go take care of David. Everybody else will be okay. And uh, it'll all work out. Okay? So he's, he'll gladly bring all the people back. As he says here, he's going to bring them back to Ben, under Absalom's rule. And that's because Ahithophel, he doesn't want to be king. That's not his goal. It's not his agenda. He's not even interested in having any power. He just wants one thing. He wants David dead, and he really wants to do that himself, and that's his agenda. You know, and that's the only reason he's become a counselor to Absalom. He's just taken advantage of Absalom's desire to be king. He came along for the ride to pull off what he wants to pull off. That's his whole plan. Verse 4. It says in the saying, pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. Now, it's interesting. I mean, he's been given plan one to go into these concubines, and he does that without hesitation. Now, he's been given another plan by this same guy, and he liked it. It said it pleased him, and as far as all the elders, they're going, yeah, that sounds like that's a, a good plan, you know. So, at this point, it looks like David could be in some real trouble. But the Lord isn't done yet. And remember, the Lord always has the last word. So when you and I seem to have our back up against the wall, like like David looks like here, remember, the Lord always has the last word. So we really don't have to sweat things. We just trust the Lord. Verse 5 goes on. Then Absalom said, Now call Hushai, the archite also, and let us hear what he says too. (laughs) So look at this. This is so cool what the Lord does here. It just said that everybody was happy with the advice from Ahithophel. They didn't have a problem with anything he said. It's like, wow, that's a good plan. That'll work. So he might expect them to say next that they just followed his advice and followed his plan to the T, you know? But instead, Absalom says, let's hear from another guy. <laughs> you know, that amazes me. You know, he even advised him to totally disagree with the advice that was just pleasing to everyone. You know, he says... Uh, if you didn't like what he said, let us hear. You no, know, Speak up. We want to know what you think here. So this is the Lord working, and the Lord still isn't done yet. So you come down to verse 7. So Hushai said to Absalom, the advice that Hithophel has given is not good at this time. I <laughs> like the simplicity of that and the boldness of that. I mean, you're standing there, even though he's an older guy, you're standing there in front of the king and all of his men are just nodding, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're saying, this is not a good idea right now. Wow. The Lord gave him boldness, didn't he? So it's amazing. He's going to find some possible weaknesses in the plan that they just heard. And then he's going to explain away this good idea that they all just thought was so good. It takes quite a salesman to do that, you know. To convince you that the product you just said you liked isn't something you really wanted after all. So this is what he's going to do by the Lord's help here. Verse 8. First, far said Hushai, You know your father and his men. And I like the way this is written, by the way, because I know this is an older guy. I'm imagining he's speaking probably slow, you know, very determined in what he's saying. So everybody's paying attention because it says, Far said Hushai, <laughs> You know your father and his men, that they are mighty men, and they are enraged in their minds, like a bear. Robbed of her cubs in the field. And they all knew what that was like. They lived agriculturally, right? And your father is a man of war, and he will not camp with the people. So he was saying that you guys have forgotten how extremely tough and dangerous your dad's soldiers are, you know? And then he goes on to paint the picture as though all David's men. Are aggressively on the offensive, you know, that they're going crazy with anger like a mama bear would be when her cubs are missing. And, you know, it's like he's saying, then they would launch such a fearsome attack if anybody messed with them right now. But the truth was, they weren't on the offensive at all. They were on the defensive. Their only goal was to protect David and all the people that were under his care. They weren't looking for a fight. So, <laughs> This guy was, was taking the picture that these guys knew from the past, hearing all those stories about David and his men and all the, the people they conquered, all the battles they won, and he's bringing all that back up in their mind and says, are you really thinking this through? You're going to go after those guys? So he's saying there's, there's a better way, and that's what he's going to lead them to. Verse 9 here, he says, Surely by now David is hidden in some pit or in some other place. Because you know David knows how to hide, right? Saul can never find the guy. So this guy can slip away in some very small cracks. So he's he's telling him, he's hidden someplace now. You know, he's either in a pit or some other place. And it will be when some of them are overthrown at the first. So he's saying, when your army shows up to get him, and David's guys are tough, so they're going to take some of your guys out. He said, when that happens, whoever hears it was going to say, there is a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. So he's pointing out this could be a bad thing for you. And he says, and even he who is valiant, whose heart is like the heart of a lion. After he hears that testimony, the David's guys are starting to knock off Absalom's soldiers. He said, even if they got the heart of a lion, it will melt completely. <laughs> I don't care how brave your guys are. They're going to say this was a bad idea. For all Israel knows, Everybody, they know that your father is a mighty man and those who are with him are valiant men. So he goes on to explain that David's probably in hiding. They're not going to find him anyway. Then he uses fear that if any of Absalom's men get killed when they they first attack David and his guys, then the rumors are going to fly. You know, that David's mighty men have them on the run. And then that's going to backfire at Absalom because everybody's going to want to get back on David's side because they think he's going to be in charge. I don't want to be found anywhere near Absalom. I'm getting far away from that guy. So he's even saying, you know, that the toughest guys around you are going to melt with fear when they hear that David's warriors kill Absalom's men. It's like you don't want to be a guy wearing a t-shirt that says, I'm one of Absalom's men, you know, and that starts happening. So hush, Hushai, He's really working it here, man. He, he knows what he's doing. He's touching those buttons of fear. He's going to touch some more buttons of pride. He knows just how to work this situation. <laughs> Therefore, verse 11, he says, Therefore, I advise that all Israel be fully gathered to you. He said, from, to, from Dan to Beersheba, like the sand that is by the sea for multitude, and that you go into battle in person. So now, he appeals to Absalom's pride by saying all Israel should be fully gathered. He doesn't say to fight David. He said they should be gathered to you. (laughs) And then he adds that you need to go to battle in person. Now, that's like saying you need to be on center stage. Don't let this guy go out there and kill David. You're the one who needs to have this on your reputation. (laughs) Boy, you say things like this to a crazy guy like Absalom who's got such a big head anyway, and he's going to jump like crazy on your idea. (laughs) And He does. He thinks this is wonderful. So Hushia here, he's also saying, let's go big. Forget 12,000 soldiers. Let's get every fighting man we can find from one end of Israel all the way to the other. Let's get an unstoppable army, and we can overwhelm him. Sounds like a good plan. (laughs) But can you just see Absalom's eyes, you know, getting bigger with excitement? Yeah, let's go big, right? <laughs> and this whole plan of Hushai, it's simply to give David some time to escape the land there. He knows if they gather all these men from all over Israel, this is going to take a while. And it'll give, it'll be time to get that job done, David's going to have some more time to escape and get to a place of safety. That's the plan he has behind the plan he just presented. So verse 12. He says, so here's the deal. we got all these guys together. We will come upon him in some place where he may be found. We're going to find him. And we will fall on him as the falls on the ground. Sure thing, it's going to happen. And of him and all the men who are with him, there shall not be left so much as one. So he's saying, there's going to be nowhere that David could hide from us. If we've got all of these people, there's nowhere he's going to hide. We will find him. And he also advocates for them to kill all of David's mighty men, so there's no chance for any of them to rebel later on. Now, that sounds like a pretty thorough plan. <laughs> we're going to erase any chance of David coming back. We'll take him out, take all of his soldiers out. There won't be anybody who will make a peep for David after we're done. That's the, the plan he lays out. <laughs> so Absalom, man, I'm sure he was, he was breathing heavy by this time. Yeah, 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 we've got to do this. So verse 13. He says, moreover, in case you've got any other ideas that David might find a place of safety, moreover, if he is withdrawn into a city, then all Israel shall bring ropes to that city and we will pull it into the river until there is not one small stone found there. <laughs> so his point is that if they get this large of an arm together, they can tear down a whole city, you know, even down to his last stone. So even if he tried to hide in some fortified city, he's really got nowhere to run, according to this plan that's being painted in front of him, right? So Hushai has done it. He's made this plan sound like it is a sure victory for Absalom with no chance of David getting away. So verse 14, so Absalom and all the men of Israel... Everybody's on board here. They said the advice of Hushai, the archite, is better than the advice of Ahithophel. And those words had probably never been said before. (laughs) And here's the reason why they changed their minds and went with Hushai's plan. For the Lord had purpose to defeat the good advice of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring disaster on Absalom. When you're fighting the Lord, that's the thing you might want to expect. Disaster can be coming your way if you don't repent. So even though his plan sounded reasonable here, the real reason that everyone liked Hushai's plan better than Ahithophel's was because the Lord was involved. The Lord was actively protecting David's life. The Lord was feeding Hushai this wisdom to counter all the stuff that had just been said by Ahithophel. You know, and if you were... If you were in David's camp at that exact moment when this conversation is going on way over here in Jerusalem, you would say that things didn't look too good for David. (laughs) We're on the run. We're kind of tired. We weren't prepared to take a trip. We just had to dash out the door and grab what we could. And we know there's an army going to be coming after us sooner or later. And that's all you know. So from that perspective in David's camp right then, it didn't look good. You know, even David didn't know if Hushai was going to be able to help him over there in Jerusalem. He had in his head that this might work, but he doesn't know. Nobody sent him a text. He doesn't know you know what happened. But God was working behind the scenes. That's the deal. And we may not see it either, you know, but God is working behind the scenes in our life too. So just because you can't see it from where you're sitting, don't think that God is not working on your behalf. He is. Verse 15. Then Hushai said to Zadok and Abiathar the priests, Thus and so Ahithophel advised Absalom. So here Hushai has gone and talked to the priests. Remember they had a a line of intel, going to go back to David here. So he tells them what what they discussed. He said, thus and so Ahithophel advised Absalom, the elders of Israel, and thus and so I have advised. Now therefore, send quickly and tell David, get this message to him fast, saying, do not spend this night in the plains of the wilderness, but speedily cross over, lest the king and all the people who are with him be swallowed up. So he's saying, for your own safety for the safety of all these people, you need to go now. Don't, don't think you're going to get a rest tonight. You need to travel and get out of here. So he's trying to get David uh, word quickly that he needs to get out of there and don't stop until you are safely on the other side of the Jordan River. That's where they're going to head. It's Verse 17, now Jonathan and Ahimaz. Uh, stayed at uh, at I'm sorry, at Enrogo. those are the uh, sons of the priests. They were the messengers here, for they dared not be seen coming into the city. And here's how they were going to get the message from their fathers there. So a female servant would come and tell them, and they would go and tell David. So they had this elaborate system of messengers to try to get the word safely to David and to protect everybody along the way here. So the priest would send that message by the female servant. She would get the message to the son of the priest, and they would run the message out to David. So verse 18, Nevertheless, a lad saw them and told Absalom. (laughs) Nevertheless. Here's a place you don't want to see that word. It looks like everything is going to work. we got intel. It's going to go to David. He's going to know what to do. And then you see, nevertheless. Wow. Have you ever had those times where it looked like everything was going to finally work out and then you ran into one of those nevertheless deals? Well, don't be discouraged when that happens because God never ends on a, nevertheless, a nonetheless. Or he never ends with that thought. He likes to end on be blessed forevermore, okay? As it goes on, it says, uh, verse 18, Nevertheless, the lad saw them and told Absalom, but both of them went away quickly. Both of the sons of the priest got away. They came to a man's house in Baharum who had a well in his court, just happened to have one, and they went down into it. Then the woman took and spread a covering over the well's mouth and spread ground grain on it. So like it had been covered for a while, and the thing was not known. They, they did a good job of a cover up here. And when Absalom's servants came to the woman at the house, they said, Where are Ahimaaz and Jonathan? So the woman said to them, They have gone over the water brook. And when they had searched and could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. So here we see, you know, that even the best plans can get messed up. But the good news is that God can overcome when our plans don't work. (laughs) And the Lord was still at work in this situation. So the story is not over yet for David. We notice here, too, there are still some people who are on David's side. And these people, they were willing to risk their lives for him. I mean, if they get caught in this, they're done. Their whole family's done. So not everybody was following Absalom, and they weren't all glad that he was making himself the king here. So verse 21. Now it came to pass, after they had departed, that they came up out of the well, and they went and told King David, and they said to David, Arise and cross over the water quickly, for thus as Ahithophel advised against you. It says, So David and all the people who were with him arose and crossed over the Jordan. By morning light, not one of them was left who had not gone over the Jordan. It's interesting, they mentioned this is what Ahithophel has said. You can say that easier if you've got a lisp, I think, but I don't I have a problem there. So he's, he's given him his advice. That wasn't the advice they went with, right? They were gonna go with Hushai, but I think he was, these guys, he was thinking, I don't trust any of these guys. They might say, you know what? I think I like plan A better than plan B, so we're gonna go back to plan A. So he's letting David know, don't take a chance there. You need to get out of here. But the beautiful picture here, it says, if you notice in verse 22, so David and all the people who were with him arose, they crossed over the Jordan. By morning light, not one of them was left who had not gone over the Jordan. So that beautiful picture here was that not one person of David's group was left behind or got caught. Not one. Every single one of them escaped to safety. So continue to trust in the Lord even when your plan seems to fail because God never fails. Verse 23, Now when Ahithophel saw that his advice was not followed, he saddled a donkey, he arose, and he went home to his house in his city Then he put his household in order, and he hanged himself and died. And he was buried in his father's tomb. It's like, whoa, what in the world? (laughs) So this very wise man just became very unwise and committed suicide. You know, some people think that he ended his own life here because he was upset that his advice wasn't followed. But I think he was smarter than that. I think he was wise enough to know that Absalom was making a grave mistake when he decided to follow Hushai's plan because he could see holes in that plan, you know. And because of that, he knew Absalom's going to be defeated. He's walking into a trap here. That being the case, when David came back to the throne, you know, he's probably going to have Ahithophel executed as a traitor. And I think in the bitterness in his heart, he didn't want to give David the satisfaction of ordering his execution. So he decided to take his own life. Wow, what bitterness can do to a person's life. This man's bitterness led to his destruction. So beware of bitterness. If you have a root of bitterness right now, nobody knows it but you and the Lord, (laughs) please let the Lord remove it today. Ask the Lord to give you his love and compassion for people. So you can forgive them for however they hurt you. Don't let bitterness bring you to a bitter end. Verse 24 Then David said to Mahanaim, and uh, when, then David went to Mahanaim, and Absalom crossed over the Jordan, he and all the men of Israel with him. And Absalom made Amasa captain of the army instead of Joab. Joab was David's commander, he stayed with David, so. He has to appoint his own guy, so he does. And it says, this Amasa was the son of a man whose name was Jithra, an Israelite, who had gone into Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, sister of Zeruiah, Joab's mother. So Israel and Absalom encamped in the land of Gilead. So what it's telling us here is that Absalom is coming. He's appointing a commander. He's getting ready for a battle. But he is going to be in for a big surprise. And it's not gonna turn out well for him in the end here. Verse 27, now it happened when David had come to Mahanaim, that Shobi, the son of Nahash from Rabbah of the people of Ammon, Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar, and Barzillai, the Gileadite from Rogalim, brought beds and basins. Look at all the stuff they brought. Earthen vessels and wheat, barley and flour, parched grain and beans, lentils and parched seeds, honey and curds. Sheep and cheese of the herd for David and the people who were with him to eat. For they said, the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. So look at these provisions that were given to David and his people. And the funny thing is that none of these people that brought these, none of them were Israelites. Yeah, these were all Gentiles. (laughs) It's amazing sometimes who the Lord will use to bless us. Sometimes help comes from the most unexpected places. God is so great. So, the Lord here, He's still working. He sent people who had pity on David and on his weary band of people. And you know what? They're not going to go away empty the handed. The Lord promises to bless those who help His children. So these people are going to be blessed down the road by the Lord because of the kindness they show to David and all his people. You never lose out when you do that. We're going to close with a psalm that I believe really speaks to David's situation here. And I don't know that he wrote this psalm right after this event happened today in our passage, but it really seems to fit. So if you want to turn over to a very familiar psalm, Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And when you think about this story we just saw, I can easily imagine this was running through David's mind and his heart. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and it very well could have been where he was going if the Lord didn't protect him, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And Absalom's troops had lined up, they're ready for war, and yet all these people are bringing food and provisions to David. Isn't that interesting? You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. you blessed me so much. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow. That's the heart of the same guy we just saw, that the Lord rescued, protected, provided for everything. And you know what? God loves us as much as he loved David. We're his child. We're in Christ if you know Jesus today. So if you know Christ, you're in a blessed place. If you don't know him, today's a day that you need to come to Jesus. He died for you on the cross. He paid for all your sins. He loves you tremendously. He has open arms waiting for you. So don't hesitate receiving Christ into your life. You need Jesus, we all do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this story today. And Lord, you show us the ugliness of bitterness and how it can destroy lives. Father, help us today if any of us have a root of bitterness, and we ask you, Lord, examine our heart. If there is even a tiny root of bitterness that is there, we ask you, Lord, to remove it by your grace. Help us, Lord, to have your forgiveness for people. Help us, Lord, to have your love and compassion for people. And, Lord, I know it always helps for us just to go to the cross ourselves and to look in that mirror and realize we're all sinners. We need help. We've all offended people. We've all hurt someone probably in our life somewhere, somehow, some way. And Lord, we just pray. Let us have a heart of forgiveness as you forgive us, Lord, through Christ. So Lord, if someone is here today and they don't know Jesus, or if we talked about, you know, salvation and somebody came to mind, I pray, Lord, you would work on their heart this very day. Bring them to yourself, Lord, that they might experience the joy of knowing Christ, the joy of knowing their sins removed, and the joy of facing you in eternity with a smile on your face and arms open to receive. So, Lord, we want to thank you for what you're doing right now in our lives and those who are listening, and, Lord, in anyone that this message may travel to. We pray you do a tremendous work for all for your glory and for your honor, and we give all that back to you, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.